When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For all the news and expert opinion, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Kirby Dock has scored for the Montreal Canadiens. They lead Boston 1-0 with six minutes left in the second period. Also in the second, Panthers up 4-3 on the Penguins. Flyers lead the Kings 3-2. Wild and Lightning 1-1. Sharks and Red Wings 1-1. Devils up 1-0 on Vegas. In the first, the Sabres have jumped ahead of the Blues 3-0. Owen Power, his second. Jets lead the Predators 1-0. Three minutes left in the first period. Dubois, his 21st. And uh, still to come, Ducks, Coyotes, Capitals, Avalanche, and Blackhawks and Canucks. Uh, so talk it behind the bench for the Canucks. And if you missed it earlier, Luke Philp, the former U of A Golden Bear, will make his NHL debut at the age of uh, 27 which is uh, pretty cool. And, of course, his uh, brother Noah Philp is in the Edmonton Oilers system. So you're up to date. The Oilers practice today, and they play Columbus tomorrow. The Oilers going after their seventh consecutive victory. It's on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 6, and the puck will drop at 7.30. And uh, I like when Columbus comes to town because I will probably see this gentleman in person at the morning skate, former NHLer and now a broadcaster for the Blue Jackets. It is Jody Shelley checking in. Jody, how are you doing? Hey, Reed, I'm great. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow morning at the morning skate, buddy. I look forward to it. Yeah, me too. I always love when you come on the show, of course, uh, with, the, with the pandemic and stuff. I don't think we've seen each other uh, in person for... Were you, were you here last year? I can't remember. Were you guys we doing... were here. Yeah, we were here, but it was still, like, pretty tight. I remember we were, like, panicking. It was around Christmas because we had to test to get out of the country, and Carolina's group just got tested in Vancouver, and they were sending people over the border with ambulances. I don't remember all that. So, yeah, it's much better now that it's wide open and we're back. So I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Uh, you were now, now, I'm just I was talking about Luke Philp, who's 27, making his NHL debut. We had Big Vinny DeHarnay debut with the Oilers at the age of 20. Were you not 24, 25 when you debuted? How old were you? I I think I was 25, 26, maybe. Okay. I was later. I played. So I finished my major junior career in '97. 98 and then i went and played pro for three years see i was 25 years old when i made my debut it was february 17th 2001 yeah so i i'm just wondering how it works because you know locker room dynamics i think are interesting and far be it for me to really understand how it goes but you have you know your leadership core and and maybe you have your your support guys and stuff like that i i approach vinnie deharnay like he's some sort of young new guy, and then I have to remind myself, well, he's basically the same age as Connor McDavid. 
you know, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. To, to talk about totally different paths and experience through their late teens and early twenties. It's incredible, right? And, and I mean, but then you look at guys like we have Kent Johnson, who's you know nineteen, twenty years old, and, and you you don't have to be reminded that he is a young man just starting in the National Hockey League. I mean. These kids, so a lot of these kids look like boys, and a lot of these kids come in at 27 years old, and you know there's, there's a different kind of respect there too because they've, you know, they've earned it through the, you know, the minors or the college route or whatever it is that they have a little more skin on them. You know what I mean? They're a little more wet. They, they're just more rugged for the game at that age. Whereas the young kids, I mean, they're totally. Uh, it's totally different, but you just see to the, you still see it read in their eyes is that wide eyed and, and excitement. I mean, it, it's not just them, it's their family, it's their friends and everyone excited for that debut. So yeah, you do have to remember. And I think in our room anyways, we have reminders of young, young kids in our locker room in Columbus. When I guess maybe more from your experience as you played there, I, I mean, I, I know all these guys are, are hockey players and they're used to being teammates, but there, I mean, there, there can be a big difference between a 21 year old and a 32 or 33 year old. Is, is it, oh, yeah. is, is there still the same sort of camaraderie or is there a point where some of the older guys are, are like, look, I can't, I, I just can't go out as, or do the same sort of hanging out because I might have a kid or two or, you know, <laughs> at home or something like that. <laughs> might be the opposite read it might be uh i don't want to sit home and play video games with you 19 to 20 year olds i'd rather go out and have a beer right and have dinner yeah. <laughs> i mean you know what i mean these kids are you know they're they're into different things now with their phones and their their video games and you know and they keep themselves they're, they're just it's a different world they grew up in i think the 35 and 36 year olds appreciate you know a little bit of road time maybe um you know, you get to do some, some, a few things with your teammates. And, you know, it's funny. They're not clicks, but they're just who you hang out with, right? Your peer group. And I think you have those dynamics within teams, too. So the older guys stick together, I think, though. Yeah. Yeah, I've just always kind of wondered about that, right? Because, like, I mean, there might be a point where it's like if you're 35 and another guy's 20, it's like, what are you going to talk about? <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like babysitting a little bit. You know what I mean? Let's go for dinner. You know he doesn't want to go to dinner with a 35-year-old, but you take him out to dinner, and then you try to get him to talk, and then next thing you know, all right, well, that was good. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> right. See you at the game tomorrow. Hope you play well. Uh, Crosby just scored here for the Penguins to tie it up 4-4. Jody Shelley joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Um, I, I got Kelly Rudy coming up, who did the broadcast for the Flames. I'm going to ask him what he thought of the game last night. I'll ask you from your perspective of covering the uh, – the Blue Jackets, what did you think of the game last night? I mean, the Blue Jackets uh, got a point. They, they were kind of badly outshot in the end. What did you think of the flow of that one? You know what? I th it turned out to be a really good game. I mean, the first period was, I think, you know, the Calgary Flames come out strong at home, and Jonas Corposalo, our goaltender, was outstanding. And he was sharp, and he gave them that kind of stability in the game that gave them a chance to come back to tie 2-2 in the second. And you know, the power play got going, so that means that the superstars were feeling good about themselves for Columbus. What I loved about it, Reed, was the grind of the game. Like, the Blue Jackets haven't had the grind of the game at all, where, you know, you got to be ready for a hit or you got to give the hit. And I felt like they were kind of drug into the fight a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, you're either going to get run over or you're going to start hitting people and then pushing people off pucks and getting, getting the puck back. And I thought Calgary played that 
wouldn't call it a slower brand of hockey, but, you know, they have slower pieces so you can get the hits in a little bit. And I thought the Blue Jackets did a good job of laying the body, separating the man from the puck, and making it a hockey game. I thought Johnny Goodrow and how he performed. Boy, he had a penalty shot just six minutes in, and I thought, well, who scripted this? You know what I mean? It's like the perfect – I mean, the fans were awesome. Um, you know, they booed, and, and then they stopped to, for a little ovation for him. And and that was a really nice moment at the Saddle Dome. And then and then when they put him back on the screen, they booed again. I mean, they did not quit on him. So that penalty shot, they, that was their moment to boo as hard as they could for as long as they wanted. You know what I mean? And and when Johnny missed, there was a sense of relief. So it was a really fun atmosphere in there. You know, and I think in an 80, 82-game season, you have those moments where, you know, it, it, that one was circled on the calendar by Johnny, but also the Blue Jackets because, you know, that's an atmosphere that is pretty unique. And they were at the center of that world last night, and they made it a hockey game, and they took advantage of some emotion. And I think it was a, kind of a bright spot on this team's uh, – Not you know, they didn't get the win, but it was a bright spot in the sense of they played like a team, they battled like a team, they almost won the game, they should have won the game, however you want to say it. And, um, you know, I think they walked away. Today's practice was very spirited and, and, and much more excitement than we've seen with the Blue Jackets. So, uh, you know, I think it was a positive in this last month of how they played. All right. Well, which is, uh, which is good to hear because, you know, I mean, look, last place in the East is still last place in the East. I mean, I was watching that game last yeah. night, and I'm thinking, like, they, they got some talented guys. They have some guys who have scored yeah. significant amount of goals in the NHL. Uh, why has it not really uh, come together for a team that's, you know, how come they're not a team that's competing for a playoff spot? Yeah, you know, it's been a tough year as far as, you know, Johnny comes in, you go in as a new player, you don't gel right away. I mean, you want it to, but it takes some time. And so, you know, Liney gets injured the first shift of the, or the second period of the first game. And that was Johnny's line mate in camp. That was their focus. He was on the power play with them together. And, you know, they haven't really had consistency in bodies in the lineup to to find chemistry and i think that the center ice position you know there's been different parts in and out that uh, has caused a little bit of lack of consistency and then that cohesion but you know it's got to be goaltending right elvis merzlikens is not overachieving this year he's underachieving i think this team needs goaltenders to be healthy and overachieving a little bit and, and you're just not seeing it with that and that's really your foundation as far as settling the ship and i think that this team you know get get behind a little bit you put a lot of youth in the lineup you know what that's like Reed and, and then you put them in situations where you know you get some guys from Europe who played you know 41 games in a season over six months is the most they've done and to this point they've played a couple of them played 38 in the first three months of their you know and they haven't been here the whole time Marchenko so there was a lot coming at them in a, in a short period of time and I think it gets overwhelming for them a little bit and I think that's so to answer your question it's been injuries Young players up in the lineup, kind of in the depth chart, getting more than they probably have earned or or ready for. And then, you know, goaltending, some overachievers in in some of those situations. I want to ask you about one player in specific because his name gets thrown around in trade rumors, which I'm not always a fan of, but we are getting close. I I see, you know, there's been a couple blogs about should the Leafs go after this guy? He's come up in discussions here in Edmonton. Vladislav Gavrikov, what can you tell us about this young man? Well, I could do a whole show about him. He's, you know, really? he's been a, a yeah, he's fantastic. I mean, he, he's he just watch him at the game tomorrow. He's always watch him in warm up. He doesn't stop having a good time with his teammates, enjoying the atmosphere, uh, smiling. You know, gamesmanship with the fans. 
And then when the game is on, he plays hard. And in between whistles, he takes a breath and enjoys it. And he's just, uh, to me, he's a gamer. You know, block shots, he takes up uh, space, he's hard to play against. Um, you know, he's a top four, ideally, he's a four, a three four or a three four, maybe even a two three four, but I call him a three four in, in the middle of that D pack. Put him right the, with the, the right partner and he'll play heavy minutes and wear opposition down in the playoffs. I really like him as a person and the way he plays the game. You know, it'd be, it would be tough to see him go, but I understand where the Blue Jackets are at because it's it's a unique ability as as a Russian player as he is. You know, he's just so such a a warming personality for everyone, and, and he's, he plays the game so hard. So underrated, really underrated. Be a great pickup for the Oilers. Yeah, uh, $2.8 million. They could, you know, the, the Oilers would have to, that's just uh, cap hit. His salary is a little bit more, but the, the cap hit is $2.8 million. So, yeah, you know, teams are going to be able to make that work, I think. Even if you're up against the cap, you can probably find a way to make that oh, work yeah. if, if you want them. Yeah, especially at the deadline where that's whittled down a little bit, you know. I don't know if he'd fit with Barry or, or, or what, but it would, it, you'd kind of look at that where he could fit in that role with, you know, he's done well with Ian uh, Ian Cole and Columbus. They were paired together for a while, and also David Savard. You know, they're kind of that heavy pair. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And it took a lot of pride in being that heavy pair, hard to play against. So you'd have to find someone to play. Maybe he gets with CC. I don't know. But, you know, it'd be, it'd be, that would be a pair that you could probably reckon with. All right. So when you, you came on the show, probably would have been December 28th because on December 27th, the Oilers had that game against the Flames. Like David got hit by Uyghur, and there was a lot of discussion oh, yeah. about the Oilers' response yeah. or lack of it. Since then, the Oilers have got Evander Kane back. And Clem Costin continues to, well, score a few goals and hit people and get into a few fights. And uh, I think you're going to watch. Uh, I mentioned Vinny DeHarnay earlier, this 26-year-old, six-foot-seven dude, who really doesn't care who you are. He's going to cross-check you. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I, I think you might find the Oilers. I don't know how much time you've had to watch them. I know you follow them as much as you can, but with your own games and travel, I know you can't see everything. I think you might find to be the Oilers a, to be a little beefier team tomorrow. That's the phrase I've been using. I do think they're a little beefier. Well, that's good. That's good. I mean, that's it sounds like, and it sounds great. I love that because this Costin kid, you know, I, I like what he brings to the lineup. And I, if I, I if I'm sitting here saying that as a fan, I'm sure his, his teammates are excited about it. You know what I mean? It's nice to have that edge in your locker room. Um, DRNA, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, you, you know, I mean, the Flames are a team that plays that way a little bit, but, you know, Zadorov tried to bully Line Light last night. He couldn't do it. Um, Lucic had a great fight with Olivier. That was a kind of a spark for the Flames, but also the Blue Jackets. But you have the best player in the world, best player in the universe in Connor McDavid, and you've got to have some other distraction on the ice or someone that can at least uh, bring a different element than just waiting for him to score every night. 
and that emotion. And that's what we saw to the Blue Jackets last night. When the hits were thrown, when the punches were thrown, everyone that got on the ice had to battle. I think that's what you're looking for is, you know, it's not a segment of your team or a part of your team. It's those moments. And think about the young guys who had never been to Calgary before on our team that are sitting there on the bench thinking, wow, first of all, it's a hostile environment. Second of all, everyone's throwing their weight around. I better get involved. And third, there's been a huge scrap, biggest scrap we've seen for the Blue Jackets this year with Lucic and Olivier. And so you're in. When you're on the ice, you better buy into what's happening. And I think that's what those type of players do is they bring some different element, some different dialogue, narrative to the game. And, you know, us as fans, we've seen a lot of games where it's just back and forth, seven minutes with no whistles, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there's an element of emotion and, and, and that kind of that, that part of the game that has been missing. And so for the Oilers, that's, a, that's a great to hear that they've added those pieces. Okay, I'll ask you one more. Thanks for being so generous with your time. Uh, and I'll tie this into the Flames because I, I think for the Oilers and the Flames, high expectations. They finally played in the playoffs last year. There's always been a, that sense through the first half of the season okay, well, they're going to get it going. They're going to get it going, right? And, and let's face it, sometimes it takes a while for teams to really hit their stride. The Oilers are doing better lately. Uh, I'm not sure if Calgary is quite where they're at. I think Sutter said something that they still really haven't put together a full game. From your experience, at what point does it get concerning for a team to still be saying, okay, well, we'll get there. You know, we're going to get there. You know, you know what I mean? Like for, for around 50 games yeah. in for the teams that aren't quite going the way they want to yet. You know, I remember the year the Flyers, it was 2010. The Flyers got in in a shootout in game 82 against the New York Rangers. And they went all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals and lost to Chicago. And that was an underachieving team all year. They had dysfunction with, you know, personal things off the ice. It was just kind of like, what is happening with the Flyers? But they peaked at the right time. And, and you know, they had the leadership with Pronger. They had some great players in there. Timo Tiemann Scott Hartnell, Claude Giroux as a young player, Danny Briere. They had all the right elements that they just couldn't figure it out. And, and then once they got in, it was like the best part of their season had arrived. So you've seen a lot of teams, you know, I know there's talk of this seven-game winning streak for the Oilers. That's great. But it's still January. To me, if you're doing it right, and you're finding your consistent game. There's a baseline every every you know throughout the season where, like Tampa, for instance, played a lot of hockey in the last three years. Hedman's been on the ice more than probably any player in the world the last three seasons. He's finally coming into his game. So I think here going into the trade deadline and how you as you get things going, I think that's where it's like organizations are now, you know, slotting people in the right places. Coaches are buckling down a little bit for the grind of the game, and I think the first part of the season, teams and players forget the grind of the game, or some do. Carolina doesn't. Tampa doesn't. Uh, there's Boston hasn't. But as you get into this part, you're going to see more games, more teams play in that simple game. And I thought Calgary did that last night for, you know, probably 80% of the game. Then they got away from it. But pucks on the wall, pucks deep, pucks to the net. And you're going to see more and more of that as this goes on. But I'd say when, if you haven't found that element by – uh, let's say mid-March, then yeah, you're you're going to be panicked. But you know, but it has to happen before that because all these teams are wondering what they need and what that magic piece is. Where a lot of teams, you know, they've already figured that out. Jody, love having you on the show, man. Thanks for uh, taking time to join us. I look forward to seeing you at the rink tomorrow, and uh, yeah, hopefully a spirited game tomorrow night between these two teams, man. 
Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. You know, yeah, it's great to be on, Reed. Thanks. I'm just, uh, I'm actually at my brother's house in Short Park, so. Oh, okay. We're going <laughs> back, on the out, back on the outdoor rink. Oh, cool. But Have I'll fun. Free game skate. <laughs> right on. Okay. Right, thanks, we got Jody Shelley. We got him an extended intermission there from, from the ODR. That's uh, Jody Shelley, covers the Columbus Blue Jackets. listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader 630 Chan. Okay, Kellen, what do we have? Got a quick quick one from our old buddy Matt McCulver tonight on oh. a text line basically asking Reed, is it 11 and 7 until after the All-Star break or do you think we'll see a 12 and 6 in the next couple of games? Oh, that's a good question. I will say yes, 11 and 7 for two more games. That's a Excellent. good question. I hadn't specifically thought of that. Mm-hmm. A lot go. of, lot of uh, productive thinking in the culvert. <laughs> a lot of time in the culvert today. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, quick one from Doyle and Birchwood as well. Uh, just says, great show, Reed. Scoring first is a concern. Players old and new are stepping up right now, and both goaltenders are hot too. Uh, Kane is back early, and they're winning. Any team could win on any given night, so staying grounded is important, including the last-place Blue Jackets, whom they face tomorrow. That's from Doyle and Birchwood. Birchwood. I don't know where Birchwood is. I don't either. I'm quickly looking it up. Please tell me where Birchwood is. I am not sure. It might be north of Edmonton. I'm sorry, it's not coming up here. I would like to learn where Birchwood is. You can help me out. And Kelly Rudy's going to check in. Inside Sports on 630 Chen.